Welcome back to the Psychology Digest. As part of an enlightening podcast network, we're here to ignite your curiosity and inspire continuous learning. Join us as we explore the vast universe of psychology, unveiling a new hand-picked, bite-sized gem of journalism in each episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Blogcast, your personalized audio feed available on iPhone and Android. In today's episode of the Psychology Digest podcast, we will be exploring the idea that thoughts are not products of the brain. This may seem like a radical concept, but Bernhard Kutzler's article presents a rigorous logic that leads to a transformative perspective. We will delve into the implications of this perspective and how it can change the way we think about ourselves and our thoughts. Let's dive in. Thoughts are not products of the brain. Rigorous logic leads to a different and truly transformative perspective. Written and read by Bernhard Kutzler. There are correlations between thinking and brain activities, but it does not mean that the brain produces thoughts. All we can conclude is that thinking leaves traces in the brain, no more, no less. Exploring the mind by studying brain states might be like exploring an elephant by studying its footprints. Follow along as I guide you with scientific meticulousness to a perspective that provides fascinating insights and is amazingly simple. The way we have learned to interpret our experiences, the universe comprises space and spatial phenomena. Of the latter, there are two types, physico-chemical-slash-coarse spatial phenomena, such as matter, and electromagnetic-slash-subtle spatial phenomena, such as light. Think of the universe as a stage, space, on which actors, spatial phenomena, perform. The essence of space is separateness. Between any two different points, A and B, there is a distance that represents a path that needs to be traveled to get from A to B. Traveling this path takes time. Distance and time are basic units in physics. Another word that describes the essence of space is stretch. Space has stretch and so do spatial phenomena. Coarse spatial phenomena, such as matter, have stretch because they occupy space. Subtle spatial phenomena, such as light, stretch out by traveling at a certain speed in space. So, the essence of the universe is stretch, or, equivalently, separateness. Another word that describes the universe is thing, because the original meaning of this word is stretch. Everything in the universe, including space, is a thing because it has stretch. It can be measured, at least in principle, which is the basis of physics as a science. Observe your mind. There is a continuous flow of knowing that includes four principal components. Feelings, intuitions, thoughts, and familiarities. The words feeling and perceiving refer to the same thing, namely a body state. Perceive is mostly used in connection with the five external senses, feeling connection with the internal senses. But both words mean the same, because the word feel comes from the old English word felan, 
which means to perceive. When you look at a tree, your eyes receive the light reflected from the tree and translate it into electromagnetic pulses that the nervous system transmits to your brain. You perceive slash feel the electromagnetic state of your brain and nervous system along with the physical chemical state of your tissues and organs, and you have learned to describe this body and brain state as I see a tree. You have learned to describe a tense body state as fear, a boiling body state as rage, and so on. Intuitions are knowings about a present situation outside your body without using your senses, for example, in approaching danger. For more about intuition, listen to my blogcast Why the 2004 Tsunami Killed 230,000 Humans But Virtually No Animals. Thoughts are mental images that are either remembered past knowings, memories, or imagined fictional knowings, such as plans for the future. The history is the record of the entire mind flow in a lifetime. Familiarities are patterns in it. The more often you have experienced something, such as seeing a tree, the more familiar you are with it. Familiarities are the key to meaningful interactions in your world. For this, you must be familiar with trees, houses, cars, sounds, words, and countless other objects, phenomena, and concepts. Your history influences your perceptions, intuitions, and thoughts. An example is optical illusions, in which you see something, although it isn't there. You see what you are familiar with. This is how your history creates illusions. So the state of your brain and body affects the state of your mind through your feelings-slash-perceptions. And it is also the other way around. Imagine a romantic encounter, either as a memory or as a fictional imagination. The more vivid your imagination and thus your thought, the stronger your body will respond. So the state of your mind affects the state of your brain and body which explains why brain activities correlate with thinking. It also explains the placebo effect. The state of your body affects the state of your mind, which, in turn, affects the state of your body. The result is an endless loop between mind and body in which thoughts and history are the central creative factors. For more on the flow in your mind and this loop, see my book Consciousness, its nature, purpose, and how to use it. Is this all happening in your brain? This question entails countless other questions, such as, what is the nature of a thought? How is it generated? How is it stored? Is the entire life history stored in the brain? How are intuitions received? In an article in Scientific American, Paul Reber estimates that the brain has a storage capacity of 2.5 million gigabytes which could hold 300 years of television shows. But a person's history is much more extensive than television quality video and audio. It also includes smell, taste, pain, feelings, etc. We don't know how to store these, so any estimate of the storage capacity required is meaningless. Paul Reber argues memories are forgotten and thus free up space. People do forget, but forgetting is the inability to recall and says nothing about memory. If memory were to decay, 
early childhood traumata would disappear, which could lead to the resulting disorders disappearing over time. But the daily work of psychologists and psychotherapists suggests otherwise. There are convincing arguments that nothing ever gets lost, and it seems very unlikely that the brain can store a person's entire life history. The assumption that the brain could use the thoughts and store the person's history is arbitrary and cannot be justified in any other way than what else. From the usual universe-centric perspective, the universe is all there is, so the brain is the only candidate. However, this leaves countless questions unanswered. A truly curious person would alternatively question the perspective. What if there is more than the universe? Let's explore this possibility and see where it takes us. Let's boldly go where most scientists dare not go, namely out of the box of the physical universe. The word science comes from Latin sire, which means to know. Science is not limited to the physical universe, as long as we strictly adhere to logic while being guided by experience, curiosity, and imagination, our findings are scientific because logic is the foundation of mathematics and mathematics is the foundation of science. Let's do a thought experiment. What is left if we remove the universe, that is, space and spatial phenomena? This is a challenging question because the very idea of no space seems absurd. Therefore, we need the highest precision in language and logic on this path. Everything in the universe, including space, has stretch and is therefore a thing. To remove the universe is to remove all things. The result is no thing, nothing, not even space. The usual interpretation of nothing is emptiness. But this is not true because all that is not a thing belongs to nothingness. The mental flow in your mind is unlike anything in the universe, so it may not be a thing and, therefore, belong to nothing. The word form comes from Latin forma, which means appearance, shape. The Greek word for appearance is phenomenon, from which the English word phenomenon is derived. Therefore, phenomenon and form denote the same. In our thought experiment, we removed space, that is, we made it disappear. Since only an appearance can disappear, it is appropriate to call space an appearance slash phenomenon in the first place. On this basis, thing and form denote the same, and so do no thing and no form. The bottom line, if we remove the universe... No thing slash no form remains. The Latin prefix in means not, without. For example, an incompetent person is a person who is not competent. Therefore, no form is inform or information. However, it is not information in the form of text, sounds or images. The reason is that the Latin prefix in has two meanings. In means not only not without, but also into. Therefore, the word information means both without form, no form, and with form. 
Texts, sounds, and images are information with form. Thoughts are information without form, which sometimes is also denoted as pure information. Observe your thoughts for confirmation. They have no form. When you look for words or images to express your thoughts, you create a form out of no form. Unlike the universe, no form has no stretch, no separateness. There are no distances. All is interconnected. No form has no physics. It cannot be measured. It can only be known. The terms no form and nothing came from the process of finding it. I don't like either as a name because they focus on what it is not. I call it EL, that is, the two-letter acronym formed of the letters E and L, as an abbreviation for entanglement at large, which I consider its most characteristic property, all is connected slash entangled with all. From the universe-centric perspective, you are a body that has a thinking mind. The mind is a function of the body and, therefore, a local phenomenon. From the eel perspective, you are mind piloting a body. Since your thoughts are the only actively creative element of your mind, you are thoughts piloting a body. The thoughts and your entire life history are in eel. Your feelings slash perceptions are pure information about your body. They are like the instrument display in a car. Intuitions are pure information from eel that is relevant to you in the present moment and serves the greater whole. The universe-centric perspective, including the belief that the brain produces thoughts and the mind sits in the brain, is deeply rooted in our mental heritage. Expressions such as to wreck one's brain, brainstorming, to have brains, and to pick someone's brain are evidence. Growing up, you learn this perspective and you learn to identify with your body, your mind, and your history. You learn you are limited to yourself physically and mentally. From the universe-centric perspective, your mind is independent of other people's minds. From the ill perspective, your mind is an expression of ill that is connected slash entangled with all ill, and therefore with all other expressions of ill, such as all other minds. The bottom line is, from the universe-centric perspective, you are a body that thinks. This perspective leaves countless questions unanswered. From the ill perspective, you are thoughts piloting a body. This perspective provides explanations for virtually all known phenomena and combines science and spirituality. More on this in my book on consciousness. A perspective is neither right nor wrong. It is only more or less useful in a given situation. Rigorous logic dictates the ill perspective. The change from the universe-centric perspective to the ill perspective is as fundamental as the change from the geocentric perspective to the heliocentric perspective was a few hundred years ago. Taking this step can transform your life. Here are some exercises to help you get started. Exercise 1. Look at an object. Observe how the resulting body state, that is, the respective feeling slash perception, triggers thoughts. 
what familiarities are associated. Exercise 2. Observe how thoughts trigger further thoughts, which familiarities are associated. Exercise 3. Watch for phrases that support the universe-centric perspective or the concept that the brain is the source of the mind. Stop using them. For example, replace the word brainstorming with mindstorming. Exercise 4. Practice imagining that you are thoughts, pure information, piloting a human body, the ill perspective. It may be helpful to practice mentally viewing yourself from outside your body. Exercise 5. Practice taking the ill perspective while spending time with another person. It may be helpful to practice looking at yourself from the other person's perspective or to observe both of you from the perspective of a fictitious, independent observer. Blockcast. If you enjoyed this, you may also like our other podcasts. The Productivity Digest, The Self-Improvement Digest, The Life Digest, and Daily Science News. Stay curious, stay inspired, and thanks for listening.